0: This is Front Page. We here at Front Page, we do our best to dig out the truth and bring it to you. Hello, all you freedom-loving people. Welcome to Front Page Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cameron Goulet. Republican Jim Jordan did not meet the minimum number of votes that were needed in the first round of voting in the House Speaker's race on Tuesday. Today, the journey continued toward his ultimate win, Michael Cohen was expected to testify as a key witness against President Trump in the fraud trial with Letitia James in New York, but Cohen did not show up yesterday. Also yesterday, up to 100 people were killed in an explosion at a staffed hospital in Gaza City. So, who were the real murderers? Israel and Hamas are blaming each other, so it's up to the party who can prove what really happened. Are you curious as to why members of Hamas are not afraid to die? Why do they follow the orders of their leaders who hide in their mansions at no risk of losing their own lives? What really keeps the terrorists motivated is the so-called humanitarian aid from the West. Most every parent strives to raise their children in the hopes that they will go to the best universities and receive the best education. So what do the top universities teach their students today? Let's take a look at how the universities are reacting regarding the current Middle East conflict. Okay, let's get into it. The House of Representatives started its election for the House Speakership on Tuesday at noon. Republican nominee Jim Jordan is running against Democratic nominee Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries for the Speakership. Jim Jordan's supporters have grown tremendously since last Friday, but he did not reach the 217 votes that were needed to win the race on Tuesday. In the first round of voting, Jordan received 200 votes, and 20 Republicans voted for Republicans other than Jordan. Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries received 212 votes. In the first round of voting, former Speaker Kevin McCarthy voted in favor of Jordan. But there were still a few McCarthy supporters, who voted for McCarthy in the first round of voting. Some of Representative Steve Scalise's allies aren't willing to go easy on Jordan either. Jordan's supporter, Representative Gus Bilirakis of Florida, was attending a family funeral, so he could not vote on Tuesday, but he was back in Washington today. Prior to the first round of voting, Jordan had been in contact with legislators who opposed him, and he was confident that he would win the final vote. Jordan did receive a continuation of Monday's momentum when Representative Juan Kisimani endorsed Jordan on Tuesday morning. Jordan had said that he is willing to go through as many votes as it takes in order to become the speaker. Jordan told reporters, we gotta have a speaker and it can't be some deal with the Democrats. The second round of voting was held this morning at 11 a.m. On Tuesday, President Trump returned to a Manhattan courtroom in order to appear in a $250 million commercial fraud trial against him. His former personal attorney and mediator, Michael Cohen, did not testify as a key witness for the Attorney General beginning this week, as had been planned, reportedly because Cohen was delayed for medical reasons. As President Trump left the courthouse for a lunch break, President Trump told the media that Cohen didn't have the courage to testify. Cohen was President Trump's personal attorney from 2006 to 2018 and he also served as vice president of the Trump group. In 2018, Cohen was charged with campaign finance violations for paying hush money to adult film actress Stormy Daniels and another woman who claimed to have had an affair with President Trump during the 2016 Trump presidential campaign. Cohen was sentenced to three years in prison after pleading guilty. Then the sentence was reduced to May of 2019 to July of 2020. President Trump sued Cohen for $500 million in April of this year, citing Cohen's alleged violations of the attorney's ethics of client obligations and for unjust enrichment and for other violations. In October, President Trump withdrew the lawsuit, but he reserved the possibility of suing him again. The civil lawsuit with Letitia James is expected to run through the end of December. This civil fraud trial is a bench trial. So it is Judge Arthur Engeron, not a jury, who will decide the fate of President Trump's business in New York. The Israeli military announced on Tuesday that a senior Hamas military commander was killed in an airstrike in the Gaza Quarter. Hamas also voluntarily acknowledged the news Killed in the Israeli attack was Aman Nafal, a member of the Hamas General Military Council and the top officer of the Gaza Central Brigade. He is considered to be the highest ranking militant who has been killed so far in the Israeli-Hamas conflict. He was well known among Hamas operatives. Nafal has also been involved in a number of armed attacks against Israeli civilians and in the kidnapping of IDF soldier Galad Shalit, who was released in a prisoner exchange deal in 2011 in this Hamas offensive against Israel. Nafal was in charge of Hamas military operations in the central Gaza corridor. He was involved in the formation of the militant group's joint operations room, which oversees coordination with other Gaza terror groups, including the Palestinian Islamic Jihad and others. So what's next for Israel's military plan? The Israeli military said on Tuesday that it has submitted an operational plan to the Israeli cabinet. However, the plan may differ from the ground offensive that is widely expected to take place. The military obviously did not disclose any further details of their plans. Israeli National Security Advisor Tzachi Hanegbi said that humanitarian aid would be allowed into southern Gaza but he warned that aid would stop if Hamas is found to be interfering. In addition to military action, Israeli law enforcement authorities have ordered the closure of numerous cryptocurrency accounts and they have seized millions of dollars worth of cryptocurrency. The move is intended to cut off Hamas's ability to receive and transfer funds through the cryptocurrency market. More than 100 accounts on Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, have been shut down since the October 7th attack by Hamas. Israeli authorities have also requested information on up to 200 additional cryptocurrency accounts, most of which are on Binance. Tom Alexandrovich, the executive director of Israel's National Network Authority, said that cryptocurrencies were a major concern in funding terrorism during this time of war. On October 17th, An explosion at a crowded hospital in Gaza City allegedly killed up to 100 people, including patients and people who had taken refuge in the hospital. Palestinian officials in Hamas claimed that the explosion was caused by an Israeli airstrike. On Wednesday morning, Israeli Defense Forces spokesman Major General Daniel Hagari held a press conference. He provided images, videos, and intercepted phone calls to prove that the deadly explosion at the Gaza hospital was caused by the so-called Islamic Jihad, not by Israel. Hagari said that a review by the IDF and relevant authorities determined that Hamas fired a barrage of rockets into Israel at 6.15pm. About 10 rockets were fired by the Islamic Jihad. It was determined that one of the rockets fired by the Islamic Jihad misfired and continued to fly downward toward the ground until it struck inside the hospital. Israeli intelligence intercepted a conversation between two Hamas terrorists who were discussing the failed launch. Biden arrived in Israel pledging solidarity with Israel's war against Hamas. Biden also said that the perpetrators of the Gaza hospital bombing were not from Israel. So will Israel eventually occupy the Gaza Strip? The Times of Israel reported that Gilad Erdan, Israel's ambassador to the United Nations, has revealed that Israel has no interest in governing the more than 2 million Palestinian people after the destruction of Hamas. Since the war was triggered by the attack on Israel by the extremist organization Hamas on October 7th, there have been heavy casualties on both sides. As of October 17th, More than 1,400 Israelis have been killed and at least 2,800 Palestinians have died and thousands more have been injured. The Israelis were defending themselves. But why would members of Hamas risk their lives by attacking civilians? Are they not afraid of death and committing sins? There is a reason for this. It's not that they're not afraid to die. It's that they are promised that there's a huge reward for this kind of terrorism. According to the Palestinian Media Watch, the PMW, which is an Israel-based non-governmental organization and media watchdog, each Hamas terrorist killed in an attack on Israel is referred to as a martyr. And his or her family receives a reward of 6,000 shekels, approximately $1,500, for a total of 9 million shekels, or approximately $2.2 million, as well as a lifelong stipend of 1,400 shekels, approximately $350 per month. It, Itamar Marcus, the PMW director, told the Tazpit press service, the Palestinian Authority spends every month half of the Martyrs Fund budget for Gaza terrorists. We see it from the budget reports. They call it South Palestine. Marcus stressed, we are used to seeing the PA in Gaza as two different things, but they sit in the same money. Marcus further explained that in the past, Israel had carried out a number of operations in Gaza where Hamas terrorists had been killed in airstrikes and there had suddenly been an influx of martyrs and they had not been paid, so Gaza complained. Now, according to a law that was passed by the Palestinian Authority, starting this month, the families of the terrorists, as well as those who carried out attacks on October 7th, will be paid. In addition, the 50 Hamas terrorists who were captured by Israel for their involvement in the attack will be paid a total of at least 70,000 shekels this month. As part of the PA's Pay for Slay program, Terrorists in Israeli prisons receive a monthly stipend that begins at 1,400 shekels per month and increases gradually to a maximum of 12,000 shekels per month. Terrorist prisoners who are married with children receive a higher stipend from the Palestinian Authority. So you may ask, where does the Palestinian Authority get such large sums of money to reward extremists? The answer may shock you. The money is funded by the West, especially the European Union. Palestinian Media Watch pointed out the Palestinian Authority should be sending a big thank you to the European Union countries. And Norway, currently the largest funders of the PA because the PA could not possibly make these terror payments without them. The Palestinian Media Watch emphasizes that it is well known that the Palestinian Authority cannot reward terrorists without foreign financial assistance. When international donors pay Palestinian teachers, police, and street cleaners, the Palestinian Authority has the hundreds of millions of dollars that it needs to pay for terror. On October 15th, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas Under pressure from U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken issued a statement saying that Hamas policies and actions do not represent the Palestinian people. However, a few hours later, the official Palestinian news deleted Abbas's statement that was criticizing Hamas. In the wake of the terrorist attack by Hamas, the world is taking a stand on the incident. On this issue, some non-conservative politicians in the West have done surprisingly well. For example, the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, openly condemned Hamas in a recent speech. On the contrary, the performance of some elite universities in the United States is rather disappointing. Last week, a letter entitled, Joint Statement, On the situation in Palestine by Harvard University's Palestine Solidarity Organization caused an uproar in the community. The letter, which placed all the blame for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict on Israel, was signed by 34 Harvard student organizations. A number of business leaders expressed anger at the move and some openly stated that they would not admit students who supported the letter. Some student organizations subsequently withdrew their support. Harvard University President Claudine Gay issued a statement a few days later condemning the terrorist atrocities that were committed by Hamas. But at the same time, she said that she would not punish or sanction the student organizations that issued the statement. This ambiguity on the part of school officials has provoked a flurry of condemnation from alumni and professors, including former Harvard President Larry Summers, who said that the letter sickened him. He wrote on X, The silence from Harvard's leadership so far, coupled with a vocal and widely reported student group statement blaming Israel solely, has allowed Harvard to appear at best neutral toward acts of terror against the Jewish state of Israel. A number of wealthy donors to Harvard University have also voiced their dissatisfaction. On Monday, the Wexner Foundation that was founded by Victoria's Secret's founder, Leslie Wexner, and his wife issued a letter condemning Harvard University for using word games to avoid social responsibility. The Wexner Foundation wrote, "'We are stunned and sickened "'at the dismal failure of Harvard's leadership to take a clear and unequivocal stand against the barbaric murder of innocent Israeli civilians by terrorists last Saturday. The Wexner Foundation believes that Harvard University, as a world-renowned institution of excellence, should be an advocate for social ethics and justice, and that Harvard University should state its position clearly and unequivocally. Wexner also wrote... Other university professors have said precisely what we should have heard immediately from President Gay. What Hamas did is evil, and there is no defense for terrorism. This shouldn't be hard. They couldn't understand why such a simple task was so difficult for Harvard's management. Wexner also wrote, Harvard's leadership were indeed tiptoeing unequivocally, and we, like former Harvard President Larry Summers, cannot fathom the administration's failure to disassociate the university and condemn the statement that was swiftly issued by 34 student groups holding Israel entirely responsible for the violent terror attack on its own citizens. Therefore, Wexner indicated that they were severing their ties with Harvard. They announced, in the absence of this clear moral stand, we have determined... That the Harvard Kennedy School and the Wexner Foundation are no longer compatible partners, our core values and those of Harvard no longer align. The billionaires' nonprofit organization has partnered with the Harvard Kennedy School for more than 30 years, providing funds to support programs such as the Wexner Israel Fellows. Meanwhile, Israel billionaire Adan Ofer and his wife Basha announced their departure from the executive board of Harvard's Kennedy School of Government somewhat earlier and they withdrew a planned multi-million dollar donation. According to business insider Ofer, the owner of the holding company Quantum Pacific Group and a giant in the shipping and chemical industries, is currently ranked 81st on the list of world's richest people. The Bloomberg Billionaires Index estimates his net worth at $19.9 billion, making him arguably the richest man in Israel. Previously, the Ofers were both members of the executive committee of Harvard's Kennedy School, which provides scholarships for Israeli and Palestinian students to study at the school. In response, the school opened a special building named in their honor in 2017. The University of Pennsylvania is facing a similar stressful situation. The Huntsman family, represented by former U.S. ambassador to mainland China John Huntsman Jr., has decided to stop donating money to Penn State due to the sympathy of students at the University of Pennsylvania for Palestine. Business Insider reported that John Huntsman, who is a former governor of Utah, ambassador to Russia, and ambassador to Singapore, was also a member of Penn State's board of trustees. On behalf of the Huntsman family's position, he gave Penn State President Elizabeth McGill a letter reminding her of the family's foundation's decision. Huntsman wrote to McGill in a letter saying that the university's silence in the face of reprehensible and historic Hamas evil against the people of Israel when the only response should be outright condemnation is a new low. Silence is anti-Semitism and anti-Semitism is hate, the very thing higher education was built to obviate. Consequently, Huntsman Foundation will close its checkbook on all future giving to Penn, something that has been a source of enormous pride for now three generations of graduates. The Huntsman family has donated tens of millions of dollars to the university over the past three decades, including $10 million in 1997 and $40 million in 1998 to the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. In recent years, the family has donated at least $25,000 annually. It can be seen from these situations that the prevalence of terrorism is related to the sympathy and funding of Western societies. The failure of educational institutions is also one of the key factors. Okay, this is our podcast for today. Thank you again for listening to Front Page Podcast. For more exclusive, in-depth content, please go to frontpageshow.com.